Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. The birds are chirping, the flowers are blooming, and memories of winter are slowly fading away. The green peas and the asparagus are at their peak. The strawberries are plump and fragrant, and there are pineapples so sweet that are at the farmer's market for the taking. And I love that spring is here. You have tuned in to the best culinary conversation on the radio, if I may say myself, and it starts right here and right now. Please note that I am always serving up seconds at chefjamie.com and you can find me on social with my daily dish at Chef Jamie Gwen. I welcome you to my kitchen every week where I have recipes to share and tips and techniques to make you the best cook you know, because with the beauty of spring comes spring dishes, spring pastas, and the onset of grilling. So whether you love to cook or just love to eat, you can take your cooking skills to the next level just by staying tuned. We heat it up in your radio every weekend with grand guests and delicious conversation that I hope will make your dishes come alive with flavor. So let me tell you what is on your plate today. The book is an instant hit and it hasn't even released. If you have had the privilege of dining at Elena in Montreal, then you know why it's all a buzz. The pizzas, the salads, the pasta, the hoagies from an extraordinarily talented chef with three restaurateur partners that wanted to change the landscape of how a restaurant operated. Wait till you hear dish after dish about Chef Janice Tiffenbach's award-winning menu and how you can recreate her delicious dishes at home. Also, before the end of the hour, if you are planning summer travel, you'll want to tune in, whether you are plant-based or not, because entrepreneur Veronica Phil traveled the country to find the best cities for plant-based eating, to be climate conscious, to find unique, innovative restaurants. And it's really a fabulous guide. We're going to dig deep into some scrumptious travel, so don't touch your dial. But first, pop quiz. What do you think my Bloody Marys, my chili, my tacos, my paella, my french fries, my sweet potatoes, my roast chicken, and my frittatas all have in common. Smoky, delicious, fabulous flavor. Smoked paprika is it. The flavor ranges, by the way, from mild and sweet to hot and spicy. And it's used with everything from sauces to thick cuts of meat. It's a bright red spice. It brings deep, smoky aroma. And I think it makes everything it touches better. So, Simple paprika is always made from peppers that are dried and then ground into a powder. But the process for smoked paprika is different, and the types of peppers in traditional paprika can vary hugely. But smoked paprika is the Spanish cousin to the more widely used sweet Hungarian paprika or traditional paprika, and it is a specialty of Spain. 
where ripe red chili peppers are dried slowly, according to tradition, over smoldering oak fires for upwards of two weeks to give them that smoky taste and aroma. And then they are ground into this brilliant red powder. And the smoking is what sets pimenton or smoked paprika apart. The peppers for regular paprika are air dried in the sun or often by machine. Now I use smoked paprika for color, for sweetness, for smokiness, for a raisin-like flavor almost for the fragrance that it adds to meat and seafood and sauces and dips and vegetables and for more than just Spanish dishes. Now, in Spain, it's a primary seasoning for chorizo, uh, for uh, the smoky, spicy sauce that you get with the bar snack patatas bravas, which I love as well. And 16th century Spanish explorers actually brought paprika from the Americas and both Hungary and Spain eventually adopted it with enthusiasm and they each create several different styles today. Now, Spain has two paprika producing regions, La Vera and Murcia. Both have earned DOP status, which means that they adhere to the processing standards that are distinctive to that region. And smoked paprika in Spanish style is available in three different flavors, quote unquote, sweet, bittersweet, and hot. The sweet style is what is most commonly called for in recipes. That's what's available in American markets. And then you will often see it called pimenton or smoked pimenton or Spanish paprika, but you can always recognize it by its really deep color and that powerful smoky nose. Now, unless the packaging indicates otherwise, it is not a hot spice, as in spicy, like as in chili head. It's actually quite mild and sweet. And one... I guess, uh, admiring quality, I could call it, about it, is that smoked paprika does lose its intensity over time. So I believe that it's one of those spices that you should replace or rather use through more quickly than others. Now, when using smoked paprika, and by the way, I keep mine no longer than three months. The standard rule is six months for dried spices, preferably cool, uh, kept in a cool, dark, dry place, right? I go through my smoked paprika quicker than that, but three months is my limit. Now, when you want to use it, a little goes a long way because the smokiness can get a little overpowering. And when you're experimenting with it, start off like, let's say with a half teaspoon and work your way up from there because the draw is the smoky quality. And I happen to love anything smoked, but you have to ease into it a little bit. I think it's incredibly seductive. I think it just takes the dish to that next level. And because it is traditionally used to make chorizo, I think it's the perfect complement to every kind of potato. I mix it into my dry rubs. I especially love it with eggs. And if you need a new sandwich spread, well then amp up mayonnaise because I make a smoked paprika aioli. You could make your own mayo, but why? I suggest you buy your favorite brand and add the pimenton or the smoked paprika and stir to dissolve that 
powdery goodness. Even better yet, you might dissolve the smoked paprika in a little bit of olive oil and then whisk it into store-bought mayo. It, It actually becomes more smoother flavor-wise, I would say, if you do it with that method. And you will thank me because it is just so good. And then smoked paprika will become your new condiment crush if it isn't already, because it is my flavor enhancer, no doubt. And so that is my lesson on smoked paprika. I'd love to know what you use it for. Oh, it tops deviled eggs beautifully, by the way. Always email me, please, at jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at chefjamie.com, and let me know what you're cooking. All right, food news this week, because this is news you can use, actually. Oh, and this will make great dinner party conversation. This is good. You know the old adage, beer before wine, you'll feel fine, or wine before beer, you're in the clear. However it is you say it, it is now considered old folk wisdom, like... It exists in every language, that phrase, but everything you learned according to a new study is likely wrong. The study was conducted to examine the influence of the combination and order of beer and wine consumption on hangover intensity. And the findings published in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition indicate that no matter how you order your drinks, a hangover is a hangover is a hangover. I know, we love that movie, movies. In other words, I guess we all have to learn from our own mistakes and know your body, but now you're in the know next time you're the life of a party. I love that, right? All right, that's food you can news. Coming up next, plan a trip to Montreal because at Elena, oh, you're going to eat good. You can recreate the dishes at home. Chef Janice is here with their new hit cookbook right after this we're dishing on everything delectable chef jamie gwen in your radio grab a snack come on back Sharpen your cooking skills and please your palate. Oh, and get this. This is going to be one of the coolest interviews you've ever heard with some of the coolest dishes we've ever dished about because the book is an instant hit. And by the way, it's still on pre-order. I know. It's because the restaurant is a hit worldwide. It's called Elena. Have you been? Nestled on a small corner in saint Henri. In Montreal, it is a different kind of restaurant. It is the team behind the award-winning Montreal pizza joint that is spoken about so often. These are people that are often referenced as 
exceptional people who create exceptional restaurants. And I have to tell you, since I almost licked every page of this book, it is with great delight that I share with you Salad, Pizza, Wine, a cookbook from Elena, Montreal, delivering recipes for all of life's good things. Fresh, delicious, easy to recreate takes on modern Italian dishes. They share some goofs and thoughts on creating a fuller life uh, for those and for those around you as well. And Canadians and visitors and Elena loyalists say this has to be one of the most phenomenal restaurants they have ever experienced. As I said, for the record, I almost ate the book. I want to eat and cook but more so eat every recipe in this glorious cookbook that is so filled with passion and recipe shares and whimsy and sarcasm. And I am delighted once again to share it with you. Just order it now because I know you will want it after we dish with Chef Janice Tiefenbach. She is one of the co-authors and the chef at the helm of Elena in Montreal. I'm glad to have you, Chef. Welcome. Thank you so much. You're wow. welcome. That was well-deserved. <laughs> Do you know how like much a buzz you are? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean... <laughs> you hear about it, right? <laughs> I guess. I guess we're, we're kind of in our own little bubble here. That was a spectacular introduction. Thank you so much. Well, you've had your ego boost and well-deserved for the day. Um, You have a fabulous story, though. You are all passionate restaurant people who believe that the hard work should be fun, right? So you've changed the dynamic, but you came about during the pandemic as well. So just give us a bit of backstory, please. Well, I mean, okay, I started working, uh, I worked, I've, you know, worked for years as a cook in Montreal, and I started working for uh, Emma Cardarelli and Ryan Gray, who are owners at Elena, um, several years ago. I think it was maybe six or seven or eight years ago now, something like that. Must be, actually, at least eight years ago um, at Nora Gray, and it was, for me, kind of a life-changing moment because I realized how much fun it could be to work in a restaurant. It really changed my concept of how a restaurant could be run and how enjoyable it could be on every level. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, I went off to work for other chefs and kind of see other places and experience other things. And, but before I left, I remember Ryan sitting me down and telling me, you know, um, we really, we want to open a pizzeria and we really want you to be the chef there. We really want you to be involved. And I remember thinking, being so flattered by that and also like kind of planted a seed for me. And even though I went off and saw other things and worked for other people, I, I kind of never forgot about that. And then, you know, a few years later, uh, the stars aligned and we were able to open Elena. And from the get-go, we really wanted to make sure to bring, I wanted to personally make sure I brought that same feeling that I had at Nora Gray and made sure that I kind of provided that for the people who would work for us yes. as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Because it really, it really feels special, you know. It really felt different to me than anywhere else that I worked, and I've worked for you know like twenty years in the industry. Wow, and I think that says a lot about what the customer feels, because when your restaurants are spoken about, of course, people are talking about the food. It's craveable. It's it's unique. It's interesting. It's dynamic. It's made from fresh ingredients. It's a modern twist on Italian. 
Uh, the dishes have a story. You have some customers that have threatened lives if you take a dish off the menu, I know. Um, but then people talk about the feel of the restaurant, like the dynamic of it, how they're treated, how the staff is treated, that you want to be in a room like that, right? That's really about living the best life and about the, the joyfulness they feel. And I think that's a really novel concept, even as far as we've come today in the restaurant world. Yeah, I think that definitely that core, you know, principle and belief that we have about having fun and enjoying ourselves and making sure that we're, you know, not hating our lives. Yes. <laughs> and really, like, you know, genuinely enjoying each other's company, like in terms of the other staff and enjoying what we're doing. I mean, that just spills over, you know, like, and I think it really boils down to that. If you don't, if you aren't having fun, it's really hard to, it's really heavy lifting to make your guests have fun and enjoy themselves you know mm. so it's really for me like that's the approach that we always take and we need to take and bring to the guests like we're really trying to bring the guests into like what we're doing and enjoying you know so mm. that they also are part of it and and that's the kind of feeling I, that we hope that that our guests uh have when they come and i you know hopefully that's that is the case right and then they eat the same thing every time i understand because they're, they're all addicted. Um, the book is, and I see a lot of cookbooks, Janice. The book is page after page. I mean, what would be considered in the novel world a page turner? Page after page, <laughs> I, I literally started at the beginning and I thought, can't wait to make that and that and that and that and that and that. One after the, uh, another. And there's a unique twist or a spin or... Um, a parallel to another recipe or a, a link that ties them all together, like your breadcrumbs, which we'll get to that. Um, but mm-hmm. we, we have to eat first. So um, <laughs> you are famous for many things, including your kale Caesar. So please tell us how. So the, how to make it? How, what, what's it all about? Yes. The, yes. Because well, the kale, the, <laughs> the, no, the introduction says that the salad is equivalent to getting catfished. I mean, who starts a recipe like that? Coming back to that same principle of like wanting to enjoy ourselves and have like a healthy, balanced lifestyle, um, we wanted to try to bring that to the food as well mm. so that it wasn't, you know, just like a kind of greasy and healthy kind of experience to eat at our restaurant. So, you know, the salad, I, kale was definitely like, at the, I would say the height of, um, you know, the symbol of health in at the moment where we were I was creating the menu and I thought it was a really you know I'd I'd had a couple I'd had I tried like a Caesar before made with kale and I thought that was a you know such a great idea because the dressing is crazy like when you when you taste the the dressing which is made out of tahini mostly Mm. it it once it has the cheese on it and it's tossed together with the garlicky croutons it really it just you you just feel like you're eating a caesar salad and you're not questioning you know is this healthier than a you know you're not you're not thinking when you're eating it which is i think the target okay we'll take a quick break when we come back more on elena's famous pizza and salads and pastas and hoagies and oh those breadcrumbs chef janice is here of elena restaurant fame canadians rejoice americans plan a trip we're going to eat chef jamie gwen in your radio be right back just after this
Okay, if you've just tuned in, you're late, but that's okay. We'll still feed you. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. There is a new cookbook, not yet released, but already a bestseller, entitled Salad, Pizza, Wine, from the restaurateurs that brought Elena to Montreal, Quebec. This restaurant is literally the trend, and the cookbook is spectacular. Chef Janice Tiffenbach is here, and she's sharing her secrets. You are very loved for breadcrumbs, which is a compliment. I mean, a little funny, but you know, a compliment. And I remember my time, Chef, in kitchens. There was always a sheet pan of something that I would snack from. You know, when you walked past the... Uh, the baker's rack and there, you know, you'd grab like toasted coconut from the back of the tray. I have a feeling that there was a time that finger pinches of breadcrumbs in your kitchen were very popular or are still. These breadcrumbs are very much loved. Yeah, the breadcrumbs, we use them in a lot of different places. Also, the the croutons that we put in the the Caesar salad are, for me, like I'm constantly stacking (laughs) And once I start, it's really hard to stop. I'm like a chip addict. So it's like anything crunchy, salty, garlicky, you know, anything in that category, it's uh, it's a problem for me. And those are your (laughs) garlic croutons, which you share the recipe for. You also share the recipe for the breadcrumbs. And I I love to learn something new. And I was fascinated by the method. So can you teach us how? And again, as you alluded to, they go on everything. They go in salads, on pastas. They add texture to things that you wouldn't otherwise think of, right? These are multi-use breadcrumbs, but it's not your basic breadcrumb. Yeah. I mean, so, so the the Italian kind of technique there is yes. it's referred to as pan grattato. So yes. it's like basically, you know, in Italian cuisine, very little is waste goes to waste. It's all... You know, if it's too stale to eat as a sandwich, the bread, you know, you, you chop it up, you make, um, you, you break it into breadcrumbs, you dry it out, and you can use it as a stuffing in meatballs or, you know, like use it as inside of, uh, like even in a chicken or something like that. But uh, I personally love toasting them with olive oil, adding some garlic, some lemon zest, some, you know, parsley, chili, anything you want really to flavor it. You can go in many different directions. Um, Sometimes I blitz in a whole bunch of like pureed herbs and make it super green and bright. Mm. Um, and the, and then you just sort of, you want to dry it out nice and kind of gradually. So I love doing it in a frying pan, but you can also do it in a low oven and you just kind of stir it every few minutes, just like move it around on the tray. So it, it kind of toasts evenly. Um, but the, the, like adding a little extra olive oil in there helps to like bring all the flavor marry all the flavors together mm-hmm. and the bread just soaks it right up and gets really crunchy and crispy mm. in the oven and or in the pan and it's just you know like that on top of any salad pretty much <laughs> is gonna really just bring it to the next level because it's like every bite gets a little bit of crouton feeling yes um i love it on like juicy vegetables you know it's 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 on pasta as well instead of cheese Mm, I, nice. I really find it like brings another flavor, but it also brings a lot of texture. Yes, and for sure. I think texture is really something that's like people underestimate how much it elevates a dish, especially when you're eating in a restaurant compared to at home. You know, wow, why was that so good? It's like because we're, you know, like chefs think about those kinds of things and the whole experience of eating, not just the 
the, the seasoning or the, the flavoring um, or the combination of ingredients, but like texture is like hugely, hugely important and really, really impacts your experience. Okay. And then you will need the breadcrumbs when we make something called tomato tonado. Now I love tonado. <laughs> um, I, I was raised by a fabulous cook. My mother made veal tonado when I was growing up and you very seldom see it today, but tomato tonado, bring it. <laughs> Yeah, so that dish also is pretty close to my heart. Um, same thing. I, I kind of I only discovered Vitello Tonato when I was in my twenties, and I worked for an Italian restaurant. And mm-hmm. the tonato sauce, I was like, oh. uh, "What is this? I yes. can drink this, right? Exactly. Yeah, put it in <laughs> my know? sippy cup, right? Yeah, it's so good. It's so luscious and you know, incredibly uh, umami and delicious. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I would eat it on anything. I like pour it over noodles. It doesn't matter. You know, like it's, I just want to eat it all the time. And then there is the hoagie in the book. Um, hoagies are kind of spoken about like God, I, um, <laughs> hoagie saved your life. Is that true? I think it did. I yeah. think it saved, <laughs> See? it saved all our lives. I mean, when you think about it, we, started doing them in the kind of darkest days of the pandemic and in here in Montreal we we got like a pretty serious lockdown at yes. the beginning I think more severe than a lot of other cities especially even in Canada I think we had the most uh sort of serious um measures COVID measures uh so we co- we completely closed the restaurant for a month and kind of regrouped a little bit and actually put out a little quick digital cookbook during that time. Mm-hmm. And we started doing some repairs on the restaurant and trying to rethink like what we were going to do and make a game plan, you know, in that time where it was so much uncertainty, nobody knew what was happening. And so just to kind of keep ourselves sustained, we started making these sandwiches, these hoagie sandwiches. And I have to really like give a shout out here to our, our chef de cuisine, Chris Cameron, who really was the kind of impetus um you know, for bringing the hoagies to, to Elena. He was just personally obsessed with hoagies for a long time. <laughs> and very Love inspired it. by, you know, folks in the States, like in Philly, making hoagies. He was really, like, revered that. So he, he would make them for staff, just for ourselves to eat. While we were doing construction, we were doing tiling and redoing stuff down in the, in the restaurant. And then when we decided to reopen, when we were ready to, we reopened just to do takeout and we started doing the hoagies and it was for us just like kind of a labor of love. And Chris especially was like super excited about it. And, Hmm. you know, it, you know, I think a lot of restaurants really took that opportunity to pivot and figure out their thing was going to be for, for takeout to really like re-engage with, with their, you know, diners or customers. And that for us was, I think really the thing, you know, like obviously pizza, takeout pizza makes sense. And it wasn't like a, it wasn't really like a a big switch for us to make, Mm. but the hoagies really introducing the hoagies really like helped for us to stay excited, I think, and stay motivated. And it was an exciting new thing that we were doing during that moment where it was really dark and bleak and kind of, kind of scary. Yeah. Well, Um, I could tell you if that's what came of a pandemic, you (laughs) succeeded my friend because the eggplant parm, the mortadella, uh, the Dr. Lyle, all the components of the porchetta and sage, uh, 
this, I, I can't, I mean, I'm almost tongue-tied, I'll tell you, just because looking <laughs> at these photographs, an overhead image, imagine, of an open-faced hoagie about to be folded and that first big bite that you take, this is a whole nother book, a whole new restaurant. Uh, there, there is a lot more to be done here. Of course, there are desserts featured in the book, and then you share so many secrets for sausages sauces rather and dressings and other friends as you call them and your <laughs> group of friends your partners in crime these restaurateurs that you all are that have reinvented the restaurant concept uh, that share in this book yourself and your co-authors partners games that you play and the backstories to the recipes this is such a a labor of love and you can feel it that I cannot wait to dine in the restaurant. So congratulations to you because I can't imagine what could make anyone want to come more than that. Thank you so much. That's yeah. so kind of you to say. No, well yeah, deserved. it really is. It's almost like a summer camp at LNA sometimes. Oh, summer good. Sign like me up. <laughs> Sign me really up. Fun. I could use a little <laughs> summer camp right now. More yeah. than a collection of recipes. It's called Salad Pizza Wine. The book is entitled Salad, Pizza, Wine. And it shares Elena's passion for everything, for their salads, for natural wines, for the fun and frivolity and the fabulous food that this group of partners, uh, including Chef Janice Tiefenbach, have put together to make an absolute hit restaurant and now a hit cookbook. The authors, Janice, Stephanie, Ryan, and Marley, are all part of Elena's opening team. They came together, burnt out from years in the restaurant industry. They started afresh. They created a restaurant with a healthy working environment. How novel. And they made the most of a good thing. And I can tell you, get your hands on the book because it is second only to getting a seat in their restaurant and I will meet you there. The book is available for pre-order on Amazon, Salad, Pizza, Wine. You can follow on social at Elena, excuse me, E-L-E-N-A, Elena Montreal. And you'll find a website where you can learn more of course. Thank you so much. It was a real pleasure. It was my pleasure too. Thank you. When I promise there is more fabulous food in your radio, I intend to over deliver. Chef Jamie Gwen, be right back. Chef Jamie Gwen back with you. Travel, food, fun, let's go. But to note, it wasn't that long ago that it was difficult for those that choose a vegan lifestyle or if you're living plant-based to travel. Now there are so many extraordinary options across the country. And just in time for your summer vacation and weekend trip planning, Plant-Based USA, a travel guide to eating animal-free in America, has just released. 
and it is fabulous. Albeit, you know that from listening to this show, I am not entirely plant-based, but I do love a meatless Monday. I think the insight as to where you can go and what you can eat in a new, very modern approach to a travel guide, food-based, is really brilliant. And so if you're looking to eat plant-forward and vegan-friendly as you travel across the country in top cities across the U.S., well, then you will love this book. It is written by Veronica Phil. She is a plant-based entrepreneur, an author, an innovator, a climate-conscious diner. And she traveled to 18 cities to find plant-based meals that will fit into your lifestyle for your next trip. And it's really insightful information on restaurants and cafes and markets and festivals and shopping. And it has a really beautiful heart, uh, this book itself, because it's about the stories of these restaurateurs, these people committed to feeding well on the American plant-based scene. And Veronica Phil of Grounded Foods is here with us, and I'm delighted. Congratulations to you, Veronica. I'll tell you, I loved reading through your book. Thank you so much, and thank you for the lovely introduction as well. It's an absolute pleasure to be chatting with you today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Tell the story of the book, if you would. You highlight some places to go, or accommodations, or a fabulous museum, and you talk about the the backstory of these cities, um, 18 of them, in fact, that you visited, that really do a tremendous justice to a plant-based movement that you might not consider would be popular in that place. Like I would never think uh, we should go to Kansas City, you and I, for barbecue, right? And eat plant-based. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Surprised me. Surprisingly. (laughs) Okay. Tell us about Kansas City, please. I think that out of everywhere, that was the one that I struggled with the most. Yes. Uh, But it doesn't mean that the scene doesn't exist. And I, I think, and this is general across the entirety of the U.S., restaurateurs are realizing that they can't actually afford to not have plant-based options on the menu anymore, especially with the younger audience coming in. I think Gen Z just expect it as the norm at this point. So restaurants are essentially losing money if they don't offer Mm. these alternatives. Uh, I, I think in a place like Kansas City, not so many dedicated vegan venues exist there, Uh, But you can at least have a good feed, regardless of where you go, even if it's not a vegan restaurant. And you highlight the restaurateurs. You highlight places to go. Did you have a favorite in Kansas City? I'd have to dig back. It's been so long ago since I wrote it. Um, But I did like that there's a a lot of barbecue in Kansas City. Right. Um, And I just, I do remember that I was really surprised to find that you can actually go into a traditional barbecue joint and still find plant-based options there. It wouldn't yes. have been my first assumption <laughs> that you could do that. No, so that's, not I at all. Correct. Yeah, I, I think that's really fabulous. And if you smother it in really good Kansas City barbecue sauce too, uh, I think I'd, I'd be very happy if it was my elbow, you know. Um, exactly. There's something fabulous about that. 
Plant-Based USA, the new release from Veronica Phil, is your guide to the best animal-free eats across the U.S. If you're feeling responsible for future generations, as I do, then you find these experiences that give you uh, tasty memories. And that's what it's all about. There are recipes and interviews with industry innovators. And this really is a beautiful resource to feed your soul. It's called Plant-Based USA, a travel guide to eating animal-free in America, written by Veronica Phil, F-I-L. You can learn more at veronicaphil.com. And you can follow on social uh, at Grounded CFC, that will get you to most places. Veronica, I would love to travel and eat with you. So I hope you'll come back and share some newfound places. But we're very glad to have you in the U.S. And I wish you tremendous success. Thank you for sharing your passion. Thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure. Thank you. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of delicious conversation. At least I hope you thought so. I hope I spiced up your life, that your adventurous taste is about to explore new flavors. And I hope that I made you hungry and satiated your appetite as well. Let me leave you with my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit of culinary conversation for this week. I hope you'll tune in every week, of course. Let me introduce you to my five-minute magic green sauce. I think it's delicious throughout the year, but it is perfect for spring and summer as a dip for chips or a spread on a sandwich because it's non-dairy and safe in the sun. Uh, But it's an absolutely delicious salad dressing as well. It's great for veggies and crudite. It's creamy and a little bit spicy and tangy, and it is oh so good. And it will become your go-to sauce too. It is loaded with avocado and garlic and parsley and cilantro, olive oil, jalapeno, lime juice, salt, and the secret ingredient, pistachios. And it might be the best sauce you've ever made. It's kind of reminiscent of guacamole because it's got that avocado, cilantro, lime thing. But then you've got parsley and pistachios, which keeps it from being decidedly Mexican in flavor. And it is compatible with literally everything. And if I haven't made you slobber yet over its description, you're going to want to steal this recipe. I'm posting it on social media at Chef Jamie Gwen on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It's posted at chefjamie.com as well so that you can steal the recipe. And I can't wait for you to make it. My magic green sauce posted now at Chef Jamie Gwen. Don't miss it. I will meet you here next weekend when I do plan to over deliver and guarantee that there is more fabulous food in your radio. And I thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off and I hope you continue to eat well. Well.